So welcome to Streamed and Screamed. Streamed and Screamed. Let's, we can say that because it's Halloween. We're, we're in the, uh, the witching month. A show from Lee Enterprises, all about movies and TV shows that are all out there for you to watch. Uh, I am Chris Lay. I'm one of the producer and one of the one of the co-hosts here uh, with Bruce Miller, who is the the main man on the scene, editor of the Sioux City Journal, but more importantly, a longtime entertainment editor, entertainment writer, entertainment journalist, columnist, any number of other feathers that I can cram into that already overstuffed hat. Yeah, like a big turkey, right? <laughs> a handprint turkey. Over the over the course of my many, many years, we tried to do the math on it and figure out how many movies did you actually review? And it was well over 10,000 movies. Okay. Can you believe that? I can. That's yeah. a lot of time in a dark room. A lot yeah. of time in a dark room. Yeah. And write about them. That's yeah. the bad, goofy thing. Rotten Tomatoes. I'm on Rotten Tomatoes. And they asked me to put old reviews on. And I said, yeah, but you know how old these go? These go back there. Oh, yeah, we'd love those. Those would be great. I have not done it for the old ones. I mean, it does go back. If you go look at my my Rotten Tomatoes page, you'll see that. I'm a member of Critics' Choice, which hands out a bunch of awards. But they've got a lot of awards in kind of goofy categories, if you will. Mm -hmm. And documentaries you don't even consider the amount of documentaries you see in a year's time so it becomes you know there's a number of, of things that just add up but i'm just going with mainstream films that you would see in a theater and yeah. that's more than well more than ten thousand. so that says that my life is very shallow <laughs> everyone's life is shallow when you break it down to just these very pure uh, objective numbers wasted time is what it is but it's it's time that you were spending with other people i mean you and i never never in person together but we've bonded over films uh, i've bonded with friends overseeing films together and one of the one of the most intensive bonding experiences that i ever actually have had uh, is at the wisconsin film festival which comes through Madison every year. It's organized by the uh, the university. And, and I know you just had a film festival in Sioux City. Sioux City had its 17th annual uh, Sioux City International Film Festival. And really international is a word in this that you think, oh, it's just a bunch of films that kids are doing in town. No, 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 they're coming from all over. In fact, the one that just won Best of the Fest was this last year's Oscar winner for... Um, best short subject documentary, The Queen of Basketball. And it had been a, a submitted a year before because of COVID, we weren't able to do all this stuff. And it won, gee, it won the Oscar and it won the Sioux City International Film Festival Award. I mean, you know, it is what it is. But what you realize is how people are truly digging in and making films. And it can be something as simple as them doing it on a cell phone or it could be a very elaborate production with a lot of actors, a lot of special effects and big money behind some of these people. I mean, they're getting grants. They're doing a lot of stuff. So it was fun that during this week, they had um, a lot of workshops. And then you got to see, I think it was 70 films that were selected for the final round of judging. And boy, they ran the gamut. There was one called Sons of Toledo. And I don't know if you've heard about it, but Sons of Toledo talks about 
the black experience in Toledo, Ohio, and what it means to people. It was very Nomadland-esque, you know, where they take that concept of real people are interacting with fictional characters. Very moving, very touching. And I think you'll hear about that film on a broader scale because they've already gotten a lot of attention just even leading up to coming here. And then people who have just, you know, one guy decided that he was just going to make a film in a room. He called his friends together. They hired an actor who came from California. They were able to do some really, really cool things. Jim of Earth, it's called. Hmm. And it's uh, about aliens landing. And it's all done with lighting, basically. So it was fun to see this and then hear them talk about the problems they have, the kind of challenges they face and where they actually fit in the world of filmmaking. I think they are now at a place where you get more opportunities because there are so many outlets out there and everybody can throw a film up on YouTube and it just might get an audience. It just might get that audience. And then there are people in other areas of filmmaking that you wonder, where do they go? You know, as an actor, you're kind of beholden to people hiring you. And I, I got to talk to one of the presenters, Brie Holland. Brie is a music person by trade. You know, she thought she was going to be a singer for the rest of her career. And she got involved with doing singing for films, background singing, you know, that kind of stuff. She learned engineering. She learned a lot of the other technical aspects of it. And now she's one of the highly sought people in Hollywood to work on films. This last year alone, she worked on Tick, Tick, Boom. She was with Lin-Manuel Miranda in Vivo, a thing he had on Netflix. Um, she worked with Dear Evan Hansen, the film version. So she had these opportunities and she says, it really is making those connections, connections you can find at a place like a film festival. Yeah, I've, I've already listened to the conversation that we're going to share that you had with Brie Holland and it was really fascinating to hear someone's professional career and, and the arc that goes in there and hear somebody talk about, you know, you start doing one thing and you have no idea where it's going to lead to after that. You don't really know what the opportunities are when you're just starting out in a field and everything that's, that's happening around you. And it definitely sounds like she has had a really eventful <laughs> past, you know, 24 48 months or so. Yeah. And the idea that you could just kind of see what happens and then they do take you, you know, but you have to perform. You have to be willing to do what they need you to do to get the work done under a deadline pressure. A uh, deadline pressure is really crucial in Hollywood. Um, yeah, they may, you know, they may have these other elements. Um, the, our film festival talked about music. That was kind of the key Thing. And there was a, a documentary called Score. And they said, you know, we'll look at these billboards that are up in Hollywood that talk about this movie's coming out in two weeks and we haven't finished our work on it. And what does that mean? You know, can I get my work done? Well, deadline pressure. It's the key to really making it in Hollywood because if you take too long and you're not meeting their demands, you probably won't be around that long. Mm -hmm. Was Brie Holland there? promoting anything that was part no, of the festival? she was just a presenter because she had experience in the field and she could talk and tell others, here's what you need to do. And she worked with people um, in terms of their own voice. You know, every, doesn't everybody want to be a Disney voice? 
I think everybody wants to be a Disney voice at some point, you know, and what you need to do to get that career going. And a lot of times it ends up being, can you match the animation and speak as quickly as they need it to be so they don't have to reshoot or redo anything more with the film? So for the film festival, how how did that work for you? Were you seeing the films there? Were you getting screeners ahead of time? I We saw all of the films that were submitted, and it was like hundreds, 200 or more that mm-hmm. were submitted. And then we were able to winnow it down to the 70 that were considered for the judging. And then there was a, a judging panel that selected the winners. And then there was also a an audience choice. So they got to pick two. So if you went to all of these films and it was like, you could st- I saw, I talked to a friend yesterday. He said he spent seven hours at the theater just watching the films. I said, you really did that? And he said, oh yeah, I wanted to see them. And he said, I cried so many times because some were very moving. And I thought, wow, that is interesting because unless you're, you have to do it, would you do it? And maybe people do. Yeah. I'm really amazed at the number of film festivals that pop up around not necessarily like the largest cities you know i mean obviously with the the film promotion cycles you've got you know toronto and sundance and the new york film festival all these long weeks or weekends or whatever that are used to to roll out these huge movies but stuff like the wisconsin film festival and something like this in sioux city and when i was living in charlotte north carolina there were some really cool you know, smaller film festivals that were just, you know, genre things. People can find a ton of really great stuff in their community if they're looking. The idea that you can ask a filmmaker questions. How did you do this? How do you get this done? You know, you can take classes like crazy in a college setting, but they may not tell you how you can scramble when push comes to shove when you're making a film. How do you get that last dollar that you need to make it? Or where do you find people to help you edit a film if you are not good at that? Or do the soundtrack, you know? Where do you go? Yeah, I if I were Hans Zimmer, I could have all the best musicians come and score my film with me, you know? But when you're not that person, what do you do? And necessity often is the mother of invention for them. And to hear those kind of insider tricks and you know just little kind of things that worked for them one of the um the best documentary filmmaker pair are roommates in college and they're college students and they they just said you know we heard about this guy on campus we thought we maybe let's go talk to him and they found out that he had been wrongly imprisoned and he was a student at their school and they thought he'd be a really good idea for a for a documentary And so they just started talking to him. They started running some film on him. Then they decided we're going to do some more about this. And I asked, did you submit it for a class? And they said, we did, but we don't know what grade we got on it. (laughs) You know, they finished the film, submitted it, but maybe the teacher says it's a C. But I think what I learned from it is sometimes it's best not to bite off too much. Sometimes smaller is better. And the fewer people that you have to worry about kind of derailing you, the better off you are. And when you look at the the queen of basketball, which I said won the Oscar and then won the film festival, it isn't that complex. Yeah, there are scenes from her career, but that's like looking for an archival search. You go looking for this 
footage and you should be able to find it. And then he sat down and interviewed the woman. And that's largely what this film is made of. But it also takes craftsmanship to kind of put it all together into one. And then you get this very, very moving documentary that what is a handful of minutes. Well, we can throw to the the interview that you conducted with Brie Holland. And we'll have links in the show notes to her IMDb, as well as, you know, contact info for you, links to articles that you've been working on. Is there anything that's coming up soon that people should should know about, Bruce? Oh, boy, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You know, with now, with streaming, it's kind of thrown off what the fall television season's like. Because it used to be this time of year we would see fall TV. It'd be all the new shows. You'd get them all kind of, they're not doing that anymore. They're doing just like they're streaming friends because they're not doing as many episodes. And so we're seeing TV series that are kind of done in a 10 episode arc. And then we're also seeing the streaming series that are done anywhere from five to 10. And everybody is getting their hand in it for some reason. Everybody wants to do something like this. So I used to have this joke that sooner or later, everybody will do television, but now they're all doing television because the money is good. The time is not that crucial. And now we're getting into the Oscar films. It's going to be, this is the big season. Amsterdam starts this next week. You're going to see a bunch of those rolling up. So we're going to throw now to the interview that you had with Bree Holland. And um, thanks so much for listening and uh, stick around for that. Subscribe to the, to the show, wherever you're, you're getting uh, the show. And uh, we will be back next week with more stuff. I think we're maybe going to talk about the upcoming Oscar races, which is starting and stuff that we need to keep an eye on. Could we really? Oh God, I'm already ready. I've already made my lists. And I already think I know who's going to be in that final five. Well, let's let's use that as the main jumping on point. Then we'll do Bruce's final five for the Oscars. They'll take 10, but I'm only going to do five. Would Top Gun be nominated? Think about that for a week. That is a good question. Chime in, audience. Yes or no, is Top Gun going to be a Best Picture nominee? Is Tom Cruise going to get a Best Actor nominee? check in with all that here is brie holland we are with brie holland i'm so excited brie we're live do you like it i'm so i mean does this look so low tech it looks like we're doing it in a garage that has been transformed into a lounge oh hey it is (laughs) so there we are right okay (laughs) well you have such an amazing career what a different career How do you describe it when people say, what is it that you do? (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) I do wear a lot of different hats. My mom still can't tell anybody what it is that I do. She's not be able to put it into words. I'm a songwriter primarily, but stemming off of that, I'm a singer and stemming off of being a singer, I've learned all of the ins and outs of recording and mixing vocals. So I, at this point, I'm an audio engineer. I'm recording and mix engineer. I'm a music producer. I produce beats and instrumentals as well. I'm a vocal coach, post-production mixer, vocal arranger. Just to give people an idea, (laughs) in the last year, you've been part of some big projects. You were part of 
Dear, Aunt, Dear Evan Hansen, the movie. Yep. What did you do on that? On Dear Evan Hansen, I was doing post-vocal production. Which and means? So, well, for Dear Evan Hansen, that was an interesting project. Did you have to tweak, like, uh, Ben's uh, vocals and say, oh, he's not quite on, in tune? Well, you know, Ben's a great singer, but we did polish everybody up a little okay, bit. Okay, <laughs> But that show was actually interesting because production for Dear Evan Hansen stopped when COVID shutdown happened. And so half of those vocals were sung live on set and half of them had to be recorded in the studio as pre-production and then we had to meld those together and make it sound like one project and sync up all of those vocals that they couldn't do live on set to the wow. lip sync of them doing it live on set yeah so it was quite a sort of combo process and then you I did think it turned out great though i did too what about <laughs> you did tick tick boom though too yeah andrew garfield we never knew he could sing Right? He's a star. So what was involved with that film? Tick, Tick, Boom. Honestly, Dear Evan Hansen and Tick, Tick, Boom happened pretty close together. And I was working with the same orchestrator for both of those projects, Alex Lacamoire. Lackety Lack or whatever I think they call Lackety him. Lackety Lack. Don't they yeah. do that something like that? <laughs> yeah, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah. calls him something like that. He's lovely. He's one of the was My good friend Lynn, is that what you said? Oh yeah. yeah. You know, my BM. Lynn and I were talking the other <laughs> yeah, day and right. this is what happened. Oh, you know. But yeah, that that was a cool project. Um I came on for that after all of the audio for that was recorded and so I was part of cleaning up those vocals, making them sound really broadcast ready and that project was really fun. There's a song in Tick Tick Boom called Sunday in which all of the legends of Broadway sing. And so Bernadette Peters. Bernadette Peters. Yeah. You go through Peters and it's like vocals. a who's who is your walk. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, look who's there. Look who's there. Look I who's know. there. That scene is so exciting for any musical theater nerd. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so but you, cool. you weren't working with them directly. You had their Not recordings. Yep. Right. And you're going, oh, come on. I'd be asking a question, oh, right? Of course, of course. But... No, it's cool to work on people's vocals and to see just how, I mean, I'm such a nerd for like audio waves at this point. It's really cool to me to see how everybody's voice breaks down differently into like computer data. And everybody's voice is completely different in terms of how much it can be manipulated and the different limitations that, that you have depending on someone's voice and the chain, the mic that you're using to record them. So yeah, it's different. It's a different process every single time. So could voice. anybody be a singer? Is it possible? Everybody is a singer. Well, everybody can make noise. Everybody can make noise, and that's what singing is. I think we've boxed singing too too closely into the American Idol version of singing, where if you're not like a diva who can riff, you're like which you can't I hate. Claim By the way, I hate that because <laughs> right? it's like. Find a note and stick with it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Isn't that the way that goes? But I, I look at those things and I think, gee, the way films are made today, can we trust anything being, you know, original, live, yeah, real? Like raw. I mean, everything has some amount of processing on it. Even putting, even singing into a microphone in a room live, that's completely altering really what the, the listener is hearing. Um, so if you really want to be a purist, we'd have to strip all of that processing as well. But honestly, I think just being able to manip manipulate the vocal in post-production gives you way more creative freedom than less. Um, it allows you to express some things that you could, couldn't possibly do just with a raw take. 
and that's opened up creativity a lot for me more than it's limited. What in. sounds so weird about your life, if you will, <laughs> is that you probably started out as a singer, right? I did. Yes. And then you thought, this is my track, I will stay on this track, and there have been these kind of off ramps yes. to other lives. Did you even know they existed? No, before I started doing film and TV music, I was unaware of it as an industry, to be totally honest. I started off working independently um, and have only worked for myself since um, I'm completely independent. But in starting to collaborate with groups like Disney and then with DreamWorks and then with Sony Pictures, when we started on the first film I worked on, Vivo, which is also by Lynn. Also by Lynn, yes. Yeah. Yes, lots of songs by him. And oh my gosh, Gloria Estefan slays that movie. Her voice was incredible to and work with. I think, if I'm not mistaken, aren't you a part of that movie also, as well? Yes, I'm also a singing character in that movie. I'm one of the little girls. Is cast. that not your dream in life? I mean, I always. <laughs> To be a Disney character, wouldn't that oh, be yeah. like the best kind of thing? Oh, totally. I and mean, that'd be amazing. Was there a drawing of what your character could look like? or We had some drawings of what our little trio looked like. Oh. And then I ended up bringing in the other two women who did the Did you all pick out who you were? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah. picked out who our characters were. Yep, assigned them for ourselves. It doesn't get better than that, I don't really think. Fun. Right? And we had the um, dialogue to work off of, so we were trying to voice match to the dialogue of those characters as well, who were actors who just don't sing. And that was a really fun process. Yeah. This last week, I got to talk to Anika Nani Rose, who mm -hmm. is yes. Tiana in right. Princess and the Frog. And she said her. Huge vocal talent. Her goal as a kid was to be a Disney voice. Oh, that's amazing. And she said it was never a princess because you never think I'm not I'm not a princess, you know. Yeah, right. And then she said and when I got this, it was just phenomenal. Right. It was like more than I could ever want. And then she said there, there was a sense of responsibility that she felt that it wasn't just a, a voice. Right. It was that now I represent this character and right. this character has a reputation that has to be maintained. So I can't really do bad things because people will find out at some point and link it to disney and then say oh get rid of her that's right? complicated you know i mean honestly i feel that disney has really monopolized the fun the budgeting the you know highest budget animated films in the past few decades and they have a very specific vision for what they want and I'm so glad that that was a dream come true for her. And I can only imagine how complex it must be to work with as huge a company as Disney and try to constantly meet their standards. Right. That would be very stressful. Right. Yeah. I Well, and maybe what you can give isn't what they want. Right. That would be hard to... That would be really hard. Yeah. I, th I wonder about the creativity. Is it is it really creative for you if it's not... It you know, is, you know, like working within a script and within part animation um, has been a really interesting process to work on it with music because it's a lot of give and take. It's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of writing the song that gets animated. We re revise the song. Um, we record demos. We record with the actors. And then that's a little bit different from how the demo was. So we need to adjust animation again. And especially in the animated world, it's a really fun collaborative process with the filmmakers. Do you like animation better than live action or? I think there's a lot more flexibility in animation. Um, once you have a live action shot, that's the shot. There's, there's not really any changing that um, without CGI. So the process with animation has been a lot more collaborative. Yeah. And the, the music world in, in terms of film, 
How broad is that? Or is it a small community, really, and you need to know somebody to get into that community? Or is it something that anybody could get into? And what would that be that would get you in there? You know, these are good questions. The, I would say for the higher budgeted projects, those are the projects in which you need somebody of work or a recommendation from somebody to, to start working on those. But that being said, I would encourage anybody who wants to be making music these days to make it and put it out immediately. Um, not wait for the right collaboration to come along or the right deal or until you get an agent or a manager or whatever, but just start putting work out so that you have- Do you put it on YouTube? What do you do to, to get it heard? SoundCloud, YouTube. Um, there are some easy digital distributors now who will release everything to all of the online stores. So you can start making some income on that right away as well. Yeah, just get it out there. So what was your path? What, where did you go from here to there to where? How did it all wind I up? I bounced all over the place. I started out doing acapella production and vocal production. So I was working with a lot of scholastic groups, high school and colleges all across the country. Um, was being funded by those universities to go there and work with those groups. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I took on a lot of teaching work and I took on a lot of music directing work, which got me in front of a lot of singers, um, both a lot of students who all were you know, working on a path towards music. And with professionals who, I was music directing an Andrews Sisters tribute group for a while. Oh, how a, fun. A carolin group for a while. Um, several different sort of small music director positions. And just meeting all of the singers in Los Angeles because the singer community is very tight-knit, is very small. And those who are making a professional living solely off of singing, session singing, or, um, yeah, session singing for film and TV, is a pretty small, tight-knit community. When they go with somebody who's a name, you know, in a lot of times in animation, it's it didn't used to be that way. They were very anonymous in mm -hmm. terms of... Right. The voice was the voice of the character. Right. That's what you thought. Does that complicate things for somebody like in your profession? You know, when we have stars to come in and guest star on a, on a show or a film, Oftentimes their music team will be very precious about how their vocal gets recorded and how it gets processed in post-production. Um, and oftentimes they will insist that their engineers do, do all of their processing for their vocal, which more often than not, um, we need to end up working with anyway, um, just to get it in line with, with everything else. Um, but besides that, I mean, most of the, the talent that comes in will come in. I'll vocal coach them. We'll get 10 takes, and that's it. And they're wow. out. They're done. Wow. Um, it's a very concentrated, focused session. But then that means you really have to be, you have to be there. You can't, yeah. you can't phone anything in. You can't be lame at your job. No. You've got, you have to be very present in the moment and... You have to know exactly how to coach different people. It's a lot of psychology of um, just taking the temperature of the room that you're in, taking the temperature of where the artist is that you're working with, and figuring out how to get from there to what you're hearing in your head in as few steps as possible. Wow. So. Oftentimes we'll see people graduate from a, a university or a college, mm -hmm. and they're a singer. And, oh, I want to perform. I want to be... But where should they go? What should they do? Where do they head with something like this? I would recommend they make a vocal reel. 
to do that, download karaoke tracks off of YouTube if you haven't made one before and, you know, cut them up into 30 second segments and splice together recordings of maybe 10 diverse types of songs. So they don't need genres. to be like you where they have to be able to write their own stuff no, to no. be able to... Not necessarily. No, I mean, it does help. The more hats that you can wear, like the more likely you will find the niches that you can fall into and be caught on regularly for. But and I would recommend at this point that any singer learn how to self-engineer their vocals. That's extremely important in this climate. And they don't teach that in a, in a university setting, right? Not at, usually not in a vocal performance, you know, right. major. So yeah, that's something that I'd really recommend skill building outside of school. How do you learn that? Well, the YouTube. <laughs> oh, you and that YouTube. No, no. <laughs> or a mentorship. And that's, you know, harder to give like a real direct, there's no direct path to that, you know, seeking out somebody who can meet you where you're at and get you to the next level. But whether that's, you know, a local engineer, somebody, you know, who you can send your music to remotely sure. and get feedback on, um, but finding a mentor to, to lift you up is, is essential. I'm sure you have goals, goals that are involving all of these hands and these hats and these yeah. whatever that you deal with. Is it to create your own show? And am I, or uh, what is your goal? <laughs> Let's not put the words in the mouth. No, that was um, pretty accurate. Um, at this point, I entered into the film and TV world about 2018 for the first time. Um, so it's been about four years and that was really my first introduction to pairing audio with this visual element. I'd done a, a couple music videos and shorter things in college, um, but I'd been so audio focused that once I paired it, was pairing it with this visual regularly and, and learned the ins and outs of that, it is so gripping and exciting as a medium that that's absolutely, yes, the direction I'm headed in. So I have three screenplays uh -oh. um, in the works right now. Two of them are musicals and we'll see what happens. Are musicals getting made much? The good ones, yeah, but there aren't many good ones. You know, I was a big fan of the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes, yes, about? yes. So that's a musical TV show. I thought the format was brilliant. It was an excellent way of bringing the theater medium to a show in a way that didn't feel super put on. And that is sort of, that, that's a major inspiration for both of the shows that I'm writing. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Rachel Bloom, call. Right? Yes. Then we'll be able to figure out what's going on with all this. That, yeah. th that's fascinating to see that trajectory. Yeah. But certainly there are certain people like your friend, Lynn, who have that kind of in already. I mean, they're just right there, right? How did this happen? I have no clue. I, I'm sure he would tell you this whole story. And, but there is something there that the average person doesn't yeah. have that access. That's really true. And I felt very on the outside of that until 2018 when uh, someone from the acapella community that I'd been working in, Ed Boyer, he's a mix engineer who I've worked with a lot, he put me in touch with someone who he worked on Pitch Perfect with. who um, was Alana De Fonseca, who has become a huge mentor to me. She brought me into DreamWorks, into Disney, into, um, she got me the interview to do wow. the hands and things like that. And she has been working in the music industry her whole life. Her father is a Grammy-winning Brazilian um, musician. And honestly, you know, Lynn 
also came from a political family, you know. Um, most successful people in the music industry or film industry come from people who are already in the industry and or a lot of money. And as someone who came from neither, um, it is hard to break into that. It is hard to find that in. And it's really frustrating that I don't have a more direct answer for how to do that. But I'm sure it's just hard work is your biggest calling card. Yeah, I would say hard work and therapy. <laughs> therapy. Therapy always helps for everything, so that's a good thing. Honestly. At least it's not like drinking or drugs or anything like that. That would not really encourage But being really grounded and in touch with who you are. I think it's, it's easy as somebody in this starting to navigate the industry um, to get really caught up in these projects that have hundreds of people working on them. And those stories, you have very little creative control over those stories. And sometimes you don't know what the story is until you've already done the work even. And continuing to have a sense of self, what's important to you, a sense of values is super important to avoid just burning out on projects that you don't care about. Well, I want you all the, have all the success in the world with all of this. I think Thank it you. sounds really cool. Thank you. And if you have one little kind of goofy cartoon character in one of those things that gets produced. Yeah. Could I get the part? Of course. This is that connection we're making, <laughs> yeah. right? This is the connection. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me. Well, that was Brie Holland. Uh, thank you so much uh, to her for the time that she spent uh, talking to Bruce. Thank you so much to Bruce, who's still on the line. And uh, we'll be back next week with more stuff. You can find us all the places you find stuff. We'll have links in the show notes to movies that we talked about and where you can find maybe some of the stuff uh, about Brie Holland. What's Jared's line? Oh, it's uh, see something good. Or stream something good. See something good or stream something good. And if you happen to end up with Bros only one more week left in the theaters, hurry. I would say go see Bros as soon as possible, yeah. Yeah. If only to see the, the hat that Christian Chenoweth is wearing because it's fantastic. And Bowen Yang, Bowen Yang's character is wonderful. The money guy. And get out of here, you're too old. Ugh. I don't want to give away any of the, the punchlines there, but if you're going to go see bros, you'll be seeing something good. And uh, you see Smile, I think you'll be seeing something good. And if you stay home and just, you know, stream something good, then, then you'll be doing that too. So see something good, stream something good. We'll be back next week. See you then. Thank you, Bruce. Boom.